Welcome to the Sand Hills Media Ministry. We hope this production encourages and challenges you to live a more Christ-centered life. Hey, so something that you all may or may not know is real serious now. No, I'm just joking. I ain't that serious. Um, in September and October of 2023, I had something, uh, a procedure done called a bilateral joint replacement. Um, and if that sounds like it hurts, it does. Um, regular phrase in layman's terms, hip surgery. And so uh, there were no medical complications. After the first surgery, I was up and walking in about three weeks. And I felt pretty good, like, okay, it's going to be all right. The second surgery, however, because of low bone density, that's what I dealt with. Um, they said I had to be in the bed or I couldn't put weight on my leg for 10 weeks. So that's 10 weeks in the bed. And when I wanted to go outside, I had to like hop on and barely hop because I still had this hip that was messed up with the crutch, get in the wheelchair. My wife had to wheel me around. And, but here's the thing. I've learned so much about the NFL I've learned so much about what you can watch. I mean, I've learned, I've watched every NFL game. I mean, I'm telling you, and I'm just rewinding it, and I'm just, I was the coach. I, mean, I literally was the coach every college football game. And, but what made it worse, I kept getting frustrated with my condition, was that also it got a, came to a point where I couldn't sleep. So I would wake up 1, 2 o'clock in the morning after only being asleep maybe two hours, and I'm just there. And I'm like, why can't I? And then all of a sudden, the sun comes up. And now it's 9 o'clock, and it's 10 o'clock, and now I'm cranky, right? And then my wife calls to check on me, and I'm not answering the call. Like, I don't even want to talk to you. Like, you just got really good sleep, and you're doing well. You're out working, doing your thing. I'm sitting here stuck, and I'm just like, oh, my goodness. Then I got to the point, like, Lord, why am I going through this? I am too young-ish to be going through this. Right? Like, this is not supposed to happen to me. And so I got to the point where I lost my focus. It was a point where Christ was no longer at the center. I removed him from the center and replaced him with my circumstance. I would look in the mirror and focus on the scars. I look at my crutches. They just reminded me how I really couldn't walk. And it just got fresh. And I'm taking pain medicine. And I'm getting nauseous from it. I'm like, Lord, this is, like, well, where you at? I don't want this lesson. Like, whatever you're trying to teach me, I, I'm ready to drop out. I want to quit. And so I wonder, ha, have you ever gone through a situation where life comes and just gives you like a one-two punch, it just starts hitting you, and you're like, Lord, I don't, I don't want to do this. Like, like you get discouraged. Like me, you have this moment of despair. And it may be that like me, what, what you're doing is Christ is at the center and you're moving from the center and you put your circumstances as a focal point. And then you begin to rely on your own strength or maybe yet you begin to rely on something else other than God. So if that's you, then the good news is that you're not by yourself. The nation of Israel went through a similar moment of despair. 
But before we jump into that, let's take some time to pray. Pray with me. Father God, we, we come before you, Lord, just thankful. It's so great to worship you, Lord, and to give you glory. And Lord, we come, Lord, we just want to hear a word from you. Lord, would you challenge us, encourage us, and convict us by your word? Speak to our hearts so that we may leave this place looking more like Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Today we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 40, specifically verses 27 through 31. So you can whip out your Bibles, you can go to it, or go on your cellular devices and you can go there. Um, but before we jump right into it, I want to give you some context. In the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, this prophet of God sent by God to the nation of Israel, um, the people of Judah, Isaiah is telling them, you're rebelling against God. And not only have you rebelled against him, you're worshiping false gods. And here's the trifecta. Not only are you rebelling and worshiping false gods, you're relying on your own strength. So you need to turn back and get right with God. Simple message. Problem is, they're not going to do it. And because they're not going to do it, Isaiah says, okay, judgment is coming. And part of the judgment is that you're going to be exiled into Babylon. And you're going to be under Babylonian control, and it's going to just be miserable for you. Now, what's great about this is that after chapter 39, from verses 40 through 66, there's a shift. A change occurs. It goes from rebellion and idol worship and judgment to hope and deliverance. And so in chapter 40, it is believed that now Isaiah is prophesying to the nation of Israel while they're in exile. And they've been there for decades to the point where now they're just miserable and they're in despair. And that's kind of where we pick up, right? Because here's the thing, it's really bad. And, they get, and they're about to get a message of hope. But there's one complication. And the complication is in verse 27. And this is what it says. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Again, if you read the first 26 verses of chapter 40, Isaiah is really encouraging the people. God is going to deliver you. It's going to be great. He's got all this strength. No worries. But even after being given this message of hope, the people don't receive it with hope. They complain. Can you imagine that? The Lord has spoken to them, and their response is they complain. Because they're like, well, look, we've been crying out to you for a long time. Where you been? You don't care about us. Matter of fact, Lord, you, you've been ignoring us. Now, here's the thing. Some theologians would say that one of the problems that they were dealing with, not only had they lost their focus on the Lord, they thought God wasn't strong enough to deliver them. And get this, that even maybe, just maybe, the Babylonian gods are better than the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So now their faith is getting real shaky. Their commitment to God is starting to waver, and so they feel overlooked and underloved. 
Yeah, we hear you, Isaiah. God's coming to deliver us. Whatever, man. Whatever. Have you ever been in a situation where you thought God was ignoring you? Maybe you're there now. You ever been in a circumstance where it's really tough and you feel like God has abandoned you? You ever ask God why? And why, God? Why, why do I have to go through this? Why, why, is, why, why me? Right? Or here's another one. Where are you, Lord? When? When are you going to fix it? Maybe you're sitting here and quietly you want some people around you to change. You want your marriage to change. You want your spouse to change. You're single and you want your relationship status to change. You want your parents to change. You want your kids to change. Maybe you want your finances to change. You want your medical condition to change. That whatever the circumstances you wanted to change and the problem is, it's not changing. And this is when despair kicks in and your faith starts to waver a little bit, get a little shaky. And the commitment to God isn't what it used to be. It's funny, after my surgery, my wife, whom I love dearly, kept telling me, it's going to be okay. You'll be better. And I'm like, no, woman, it's not going to be better. Now, you don't know what I'm going through. You ever go through something and feel like, like you're the only one going through this? Like, I'm the only one in the world, bedridden right now. You don't even know. You up walking around, hanging out with the kids. It got so bad, literally, around Christmas, I'm in the bed. I couldn't help put up the tree, and I got a glimpse of what life is like without me. That's why I was. Totally frustrated. I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. No matter when she would encourage me, I'm like, man, whatever, you don't understand. And then, I mean, here's the thing. Have you, ever, have you ever gotten a text from somebody just randomly encouraging you? You're like, man, whatever. Random stranger gives you a word of encouragement. You get an email to encourage you. You're like, ah, that's just coincidence. God doesn't, God doesn't really hear me. It got so bad that people would come over the house and they would say, hey, you know, how's it going? You doing okay? And, you know, I would do the adult Christian thing. And I would say, yes, I'm doing great. I didn't want them to see me struggling. As a matter of fact, too often, we don't want people to know how vulnerable and weak we really are. So we just fake it. And that's what I was doing. You know, I'm Pastor Malcolm. I shouldn't be going through it. How are you doing? And they just give me their whole story. And on the inside, I'm like, I don't even want to hear what you're talking about. Like, I'm, I'm struggling right now. Maybe that's too much uh, transparency. Here's what I've learned. Despair kicks in when God is no longer the focal point of life. When Christ is taken out of the center and we put something else in his place, despair is not far behind. But what I love, though, is that God does something for the nation of Israel, and I think he'll do it for us. Matter of fact, I know he will. And it's what I call the four R's. Somebody say four R's. Um, the first R is that God will refresh your memory of who you are. He'll refresh your memory of who you are. Let me go back to verse 27. It says, O Jacob, and speak 
oh Israel, my way is hidden from you. Like, why are you saying this? Why are you saying your way is hidden from the Lord and, and your right is disregarded by my God? Pay attention to how God addresses them. He calls them Jacob and he calls them Israel. You know, why is this so important? Well, it's important because God is reinforcing or, rem or reminding them really of the covenant he's made with them. That I have established a covenant with you. I'm the God of your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm the one that started this thing. You're my chosen people, and I love you. Matter of fact, we've, we've been down this road before. I got you. We're in covenant. I will keep my promise to you. I will deliver you. And what does that mean for us? Well, you see, as followers of Christ, sometimes we can get spiritual amnesia. And we lose perspective about who God is. And sometimes we need to remember who we are in Christ. That we need to remember that it is because of Christ that we are now in covenant with God. And because we are in covenant with God, the Bible says, therefore, greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. It is through Christ and Christ alone that we're in covenant with God. And because of that, the Bible says that we are more than conquerors, that we are victorious, that we are overcomers. It's because of him that we have been called a peculiar people, a royal nation, a holy priesthood. It is because of this covenant with God that we have through Christ that God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. That I hear your prayers. I'm aware of the struggles. I know what's going on. Why? Because I make this covenant with you and I need to remind you who you are. You, in fact, are a son or daughter of the king. You're a child of God. So you can't forget who you are. But what I love about the text is that God, he doesn't leave them there. He doesn't just refresh their memory, right? He goes on. Let's look at verse 28 and 29. He says, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. This takes us to the second R. Somebody say, remind God will remind you of his strength. He will remind you of his strength. By show of hands, has anyone here ever written a resume? Anybody? Oh, there's a lot of hands. You see those hands? Yeah. Is anybody looking for a job? Okay. Does anybody need help writing a resume? Okay, so we're all good. Okay, okay. Why do we write resumes? Well, we write them because we're trying to get a job and we want to separate ourselves from other candidates. We want to let the employer know that I'm better than everybody else. Remember earlier I told you that the nation of Israel probably started really worshiping these Babylonian gods and thinking they were better. And so God says, well, let me give you a portion of my resume. Just in case you forgot, let me remind you that I'm the real one. And so he says this, God is everlasting. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He can not be confined to time and space. He is infinite. From everlasting to everlasting, he is God. 
And he goes on, not only is God everlasting, he is the creator of the ends of the earth. That means God has created everything, and no matter where you go, God is there. And no matter what circumstance you find yourself in, he is present. But not only is he everlasting, not only is he the creator, you know, God doesn't get faint or grow weary. That when you and I get tired, God doesn't stop working. God doesn't sit back and say, oh, Malcolm's going, he's taking a nap, let me take a nap. Now, God's not sleeping on the job. He's always working. God's understanding is unsearchable. His ways are not like our ways. His thoughts are, are higher than our thoughts. He is infinite and all-knowing. As a matter of fact, when it comes to our circumstances, did you know that God knows our tomorrow today? He knew it long time ago. And so he's like, this is who I am. And not only that, God increases strength. That when you're getting tired, God's like, look, I have the ability to give you the, you can press on. I can give you that ability to endure what you're going through. Matter of fact, even as you read the New Testament, we see that Paul tells us that God said in his, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And think about that. So God's like, you, you want to serve those other whack gods you're serving that's worthless, that's false, that's not going to do anything? You could do that. But I'm telling you, this is what I do. They can't do anything for you. This is who I am. And so what it means for us is this. If you're tired, he's greater. Somebody say greater. greater. Mm. God is greater than our circumstances. If you're weary, he's greater. If your marriage is struggling, he's greater. If your kids have lost their mind, he's greater. If your parents are getting on your nerves, he's greater. If your finances are suspect, he's greater. If your medical condition is bad, God is greater. If your relationship status is not where you want it to be, it's okay. God is greater. That no matter what's going on, if you're struggling, he is greater than that situation that you find yourself in. God is speaking to people who are discouraged. And sometimes if we're honest with ourselves, we get discouraged. Some of us get discouraged a lot. And God is like, I got you. So much so in verse 30, he says this. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. What we see here in verse 30 is a contrast to verse 29. In verse 29, we see God's strength. In verse 30, we see our weakness. We see the strength of divinity and the weakness of humanity right there with each other. And God is saying... It, you're going to struggle. Life is going to hit you hard. I got you. Anybody here work out? Anybody? Okay. Anybody lift weights? We got any weight lifters? Okay, okay. Anybody do cardio? We got any cardio? Okay, okay. Anybody got like a six-pack? <laughs> or maybe you, you're so fit it's splitting the two. You got like 12-pack. You got a whole lot going on. Here's the thing. It's like it doesn't matter. That at some point, when it gets real, you will get tired. At some point, you rely on your own strength, you will fail. No matter how smart you are, how much money you make, you think you got it all together, 
When life comes knocking on your door, it will knock and you will open up and all of a sudden you feel like, oh my goodness, what's happened? And that takes us to the third R. Somebody say rely. That God will challenge us to rely on him. He will challenge us to rely on him. God is challenging his people to trust him. So I want to share something with you. You know, several years ago, I was at home, I looked in the living room, and there was a hole in the wall. It was a mysterious hole that appeared because none of my three kids would take ownership for it. Did you do it? No, I didn't do it. You, no, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Okay, okay. So it just came out of nowhere. All right. So I got to fix the hole. It's not a problem. I'm an adult. I'm a grown man. I could do this. Here's what you got to know before we go any further with the story. I'm not a home improvement guy. If you want me to change your light bulb, I got you. You want me to connect your garage door opener with the garage door? I can do that. Electronic stuff, I got you. If you got a hole in the wall, mm, I'm not the guy. Here's why. So I'm looking at this hole, and I'm like, okay, I got to fix this. I can't reach it. When you're not a home improvement person, what do you not have? A ladder. I don't have it. So what do I do? I do the smart thing. I go to the dining room table. I get a chair. I'll pull it up, and I get up. I didn't fall. I know that's what you're thinking. I didn't fall, but almost. And so I get up, look at the hole. Okay, I can do this. It's not that big. So I go on YouTube. They tell you I do everything on YouTube, right? So I'm on YouTube. It's pretty simple. They tell me to go get the little the uh, silver mesh stuff and the pink stuff the spat that turns white when you put it on right you can already tell I don't know what I'm doing right and so and I and so I'm starting to do this thing right now here's what happens this is so funny you got to remember this so I'm starting to put the spackle is that what it's called spackle I'm putting the spackle on there right and so I let it dry nobody told me you're supposed to sand it maybe I didn't see that in the video I don't know so the wall looks like this. <laughs> right? Right? It is, it's, it's ridiculous, right? And so I'm like, okay. I go back to the video. Oh, I'm supposed to sand it down. Got it. So remember, it's looking like, like that. Literally that big, right? So I'm like, okay, let me sand it. But I sand it too much. Now, it's doing that. It's like the opposite way, right? Now, it's like, I just put up. I done made the hole worse, right? I'm like, no worries. Okay, I got the paint. Let me fill it back up. So I put it back on, let it dry a little bit, but still it's, and I can't fix it. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? I'm doing exactly what the video tells me to do. No worries. I put the paint on it, let it dry. It's all good. Problem is I got the wrong color paint. Right? So I'm like, okay, now I got to go back to my local hardware store. Let me get the right paint. But it's like, nope, it's not here. You got to go here. Oh my goodness, so I had to drop another 20 minutes to go to the specialty store that had the paint. And it's just white paint. You would think all white paint is created equal, and it's not, right? All right, so I get the paint. I put it on, right? And I'm like stepping back. <laughs> you the man. <laughs> right? But to me, I'm the man, right? 
asked my wife, hey, what do you think about this? She's like, it looks okay. <laughs> Fellas, here's what I've learned, and you may have known this already. When your wife tells you, it looks okay, that means it's not okay. <laughs> but she's just trying to be loving, right? And just not embarrass me. Like, she's like, I don't want to tell you it's bad, but it's okay. And so I'm like, it's not okay. This looks really, I mean, words can't even express how bad it looked. And so I said, you know what? Mm-mm, mm-mm. I know a guy. Let me call my man. I'm not going to give you his name because that's my guy. You got to get your own guy, right? You get your own person to fix this, right? So I call him up. Hey, I need you to come over, man. I got an emergency. What's the emergency? I got a hole in the wall. He's like, oh, that's not that bad. I'm like, bro, you got to see it. He's like, okay. So he pulls up in the truck, right? Here's how you do when people got skills. When they pull up in the truck with the ladder, there's paint everywhere on the truck. They got buckets of paint in the back. They just, they come prepared, right? I'm like, dude, did you stop at the store and get the stuff? No, guy, I got the stuff. Like, I carry it with me. Whatever, man. Like, whatever. Don't be all like that. And so he comes in, he looks at the hole, and he's like, mmm. And I'm like, what do you mean, mmm? He's like, no. I got you. I got you. I'm like, okay, so look, the video says you got to do this, and you got to do this, you got to do this. He's like, my God, this is what I do, right? So here's the thing. I had to call somebody who had more knowledge, more skill, and who had done it before. And then I had to step back and give up control, right? I had to rely on him. You see, sometimes as Christians, we're going through it, and we try to fix the hole, and it looks like that. That's how it looks, and we keep trying to fix it, and then we paint it. Here's what else I didn't know. Did you know that when you paint a certain spot on the wall the same color, it could still be off? Who would have thought? That doesn't make sense, right? That was news to me. So when this guy does it, the wall looks perfect. He's got the spray gun. He's in there. He's painting it. And I'm like, dude, what wizardry are you doing? Like, I never saw this stuff. And he's like, I got it. And God is saying, I got it. You know why I got it? God is like, I got more knowledge. I got more skills. And I've done this before. So what I need you to do is I need you to back up and let me do it. Here's where we mess up. God This is what I'm going through. Here, you take it. Okay, I'm going to take it back. But God, this is what I'm going through, Lord. I lay this down at your altar. Let me take it back. And God's like, no, when you give it to me, give it to me. Trust me with the results. I sat there and micromanaged my guy for two and a half hours. And he's looking at me like, what are you doing? You're micromanaging something. You have even no idea how to do it. So fall back. And so here's what I've learned, that, that, that the greatest part or the hardest, the struggle of relying on God is letting go. Because we want to control the narrative. We want to control what's going to happen. And God's like, you can't control what's going to happen. But do you trust me when I tell you that I, I mean, I work everything, and I mean everything out for the good of those who love me, those who have been called according to my purpose. You, you read it, you quote it, do you believe it? Because if you believe it, then back off, you're doing too much. I got this. 
And here's the thing. If we choose to rely on God, verse 31 happens. And this is the beauty of it. It says this. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And here in the text, the wait here means to live with hope. Some, some versions you have translations of the Bible say they have that hope in the Lord. They have that trust in the Lord. It is a, a waiting with confidence. It is an eager expectation that God is going to take care of it. No matter what, no matter what the outcome, God, you got it. Whatever's causing me to despair, you have it. This is not a passive activity. Let me say this. So if you're looking for a job, it's not like, okay, God, I'm going to wait and not do anything. Like, I'm not going to send out resumes. I'm not going to look for a job. I'm going to just wait. Now, in play play world, that works. But in the world we live in, right, God is like, no, no, you keep looking for the job, but you also keep actively pursuing me. It's praying with patience, knowing that God is not slow in delivering on his promises. Like, we, we think he, he's not working. He, he's not working on our time. We want God to work on our time. And God's like, no, 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 you got to be patient. It is reading God's word in the midst of all the chaos and seeking him. Here's the next thing. It's allowing God to set the pace. Sometimes we can be five steps ahead of God and God's like, yo, come back, bring it back. I'm on step two. You're trying to be on step five and you're messing it up. You know, it's living in the tension that God has made a promise and you're waiting with excitement for the promise to be fulfilled. And in the meantime, you're like, okay, Lord, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And God says, keep it up. It's also thanking God in the midst of what's going on. It's when you sit there, you make your prayer and petition known to God with thanksgiving, and then recognizing the peace which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he's got it. So we wait. And when we wait, the fourth R happens. Somebody say renew. That God will renew us. Right? Here's what it says. It says, they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. Now the word renew here is a, it's an amazing word. It brings with it the thought of a change happening or substitution. Maybe you could use the word exchange. Well, here's what God does. God will take your strength and your weakness and give you his strength. Think about that. The thing you're struggling with that's causing you all the stress, all the stuff that you're dealing with, God says, I will take that and give you my strength. You're welcome. My pleasure. It, it, it's this idea that we recognize, okay, God, I can't do it. And God says, I know you can't. Yeah, just Let's have this great exchange, and it's going to be okay. Because when we have the great exchange, something jihugic happens. We get these images of kind of what happens. And the first is, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. Now, for the nation of Israel to hear this, they get hype. Like, they are like, what? What's going to happen? You'll mount up with wings like an eagle. 
because they understood something. Random fact. Anybody like birds? Any bird like? Okay. Anybody like eagles? Philadelphia? Great. So, <laughs> eagles have the uncanny ability that when a storm is coming, they can fly over the storm and the storm will not impact them negatively at all. Did you know that? Here's another fun fact. They can take the turbulence from the storm and it helps them to rise higher. Okay, somebody missed that. They can fly over the storm and they use the turbulence from the storm to soar even higher. See, there's a storm coming or you're in a storm and God has the ability once you place him back in the center to help you rise up like an eagle where the storm never impacts you. As a matter of fact, somehow God used the storm to make you even better. Amen. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> but here's the thing. You're like, well, I didn't, I'm not flying over the storm. I'm in the storm. Well, it's funny you say that. And I'm glad you said that. It says, they will also run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Any runners? We got any runners in the house? Okay, a few, a few, okay. All those people that talk to say they did cardio, I guess they don't run. Okay, it's okay. That's all right, no judgment, no shade, a little bit. So, this, this, this idea that, that what's supposed to naturally happen to us, God says it won't happen. When you're running, you naturally get tired. If you walk a lot, you naturally get tired. And God says, no, no, no. In the kingdom, when you let me control it, I will give you the ability to just endure it. I will sustain you through it so that the thing that should naturally happen doesn't happen. Stress won't happen. Drama won't happen. You're just like, yo, I'm not dealing with that. I'm good, right? Worry doesn't happen. The things that should naturally happen won't happen. And then when people say, yo, you're going through this. Why you seem okay? Because that God at the center. Christ is at the center of my life. And he's given me the ability to endure it. And here's the thing. Notice what it doesn't say. What you want, what many people want to hear is that whatever situation you're in, in the end, it's going to be wonderful. And you're going to be like, yes. No. The situation may never change. We change in the situation. God changes us in the situation. So it's like, it, here's the thing. You may have debt and the bills are due. And you're going to leave out of here and you know what you still got? Debt <laughs> and the bills are due. But now you have this unwavering faith. God, you'll work it out. And here's the thing. You may always have it. And God is always providing for you. You may not hit the number if you play it. I'm just saying. But God says, I will sustain you in the midst of it. And so I think we get to the point where God says, I want you to have this attitude. And in Psalm 73, 25 and 26, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. In 1992, in the Summer Olympics in Barcelona, this guy by the name of Derek Redman, who ran the 400 meter semifinals. Derek Redman was in stunning shape and condition. He gets out, he starts running, and he's going. At about 150 meters, 
he tears his hamstring and he pulls up and he's limping and he's limping and you can see he's slowing down. You don't know what's going on just yet, but he starts grabbing at it. You can see the pain and anguish on his face. As this is happening, all of a sudden, a random man from the stands comes out of the crowd onto the track. It's his father, Jim. Jim Redman grabs his son and starts to help him. And then you get this moment where you see Derek put his head in his father's chest and they have a quick conversation. The conversation is this. Dad, Derek said, I want to finish. Get me back in the semifinal. Jim, his father said, okay, we start this thing together and now we'll finish it together. And so his father, as he's carrying him, security's coming. He brushes him off. I got this. And they don't even bother him. And he helps his son cross the finish line. I don't know what you came here with today. I don't know what your struggle is. But if you're going through life or you've torn a hamstring, life is ripped up right now. I want to tell you, for those of us in Christ, you have a father in heaven that's watching the stands. And he'll come down to the track of life. And he'll pick you up. Just put your head in his chest. Daddy, I want to finish the race. His response would be, okay, we started this thing together and we're going to finish this thing together. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe here, you're here today and you know that Jesus Christ died for your sins and you're following him, but you're tired, you're weary, you're scared, you're frustrated, you're discouraged, and you've taken Christ from the center and you've been so focused on your circumstance. God is calling you to reverse it. He wants you to put him back at the center because he is greater than the circumstance. If you're here today, I want to pray for you. If you're here today and you're like, you know what? I need to put Christ back at the center. I've been dealing with some stuff and I've been trying to fix it on my own. I've gotten weary and discouraged. My faith has been shaky. My commitment's been wavering a little bit. But today is the day I need to put him back at the center and, and give up control and let him handle it. If that's you, then put your hand up and I want to pray for you. Is there one? I see that hand. I see those hands. Life is tough. I see those hands, yes. God is like, I know what you're going through. I know, I know you've been praying about something and deliverance is coming. But it's going to come in his time and the way he wants to do it. And maybe you're here today and you have never made the declaration of faith that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And if you're ready to do that today, God says, I want to make an exchange with you. How about I take your sin, your mess, and I give you the righteousness of my son, Jesus Christ. If you would confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. And then we can begin to work on putting things back together because now you have put me in my proper place on the throne of your heart. If you're here today and you've never made that declaration of faith, then you want to place your faith in Christ today with heads bowed and eyes closed. Just slip your hand up and put it back down and I'll pray for you. Is there one? Is there one? Father, we come before you. Some of us broken and discouraged and, and just going through a whole range of emotions. Because Father, we've forgotten who we are. Lord, you have refreshed our memories that we are children of the King. Father, you have reminded us of your strength. Lord, you did it before, you'll do it again. You provided for us before. You've healed us before. Lord, you can do it again the way you see fit. 
Father, you've challenged us to rely on you, Father God, so we relinquish control of it, Lord, and just let you do what you do. And now, Lord, we ask that you renew us according to your word. Be faithful to your word like you've always been because we are in covenant with you because of Christ Jesus. And Father, if there's someone here today, Lord, that's really struggling with that, Father God, I pray right now you will meet them where they are. Today is a new day. We want to walk in victory, waiting on you to help us overcome it or sustain us while we're in it. And for the one that's here, Lord, that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Father, I pray that today they would say yes. And Lord, when it's all said and done, we'll be sure to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. For it's in the name of Jesus, who is the Christ, that we pray. Amen.